0: We probably need to have relevant people in the room. That's how we started to just bring relevant people to the room. That's, that's how we, and we started to call it work, working groups. Um, it was about the same time as uh, NDC also was talking about working groups, but I feel like DevHubs were much more expert-focused.
1: NDC was just purpose-focused. That was Vlad Frolov. OG Nearcore and leading contributor at DevHub. And on this podcast, he joins me with Boris Polonia. This is a very special episode for several reasons. First, it was recorded live during Nearcon 2023. Second, this is the first podcast from DevHub Unplugged, a new series produced by DevHub to dive deep into the journey and evolution of DevHub, stories from their contributors, and more. This podcast was originally released on the DevHop YouTube channel and under the DevHop Unplugged podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms. We're post-posting it here to give you a taste of what is to come. So if you like what you hear today, make sure that you go on, subscribe. Without further ado, I'll let you enjoy this brief but spicy conversation with Vlad and Boris. Enjoy. Hello friends, welcome to the first DevHub podcast, live from Nearcon 2023, with me, Vlad and Boris. Welcome friends. Thank you, thank you. Have thank you, you. Yeah. GM, GM. Yeah, GM. So happy to be here, it's very early in the morning, fourth day, still standing.
0: Yeah, barely, it's, but yes. It's been
1: intense, but yeah. it's great. So this is going to be the first episode of a Dev Hub podcast series?
2: Yes, we saw... A idea we had a few months ago, and I met Alejandro in APEC, right?
1: Korea or Vietnam or both?
2: Yeah, I think, yeah. So we, I, started, I was trying to do something like this, and everyone was like, oh, no, ABB, ABB." I didn't know it was you. I said, oh, no, he's the guy, but he's very... The, his podcasts are very controversial, so it's, yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> so yeah, I made an event or something and he came and so then here we are. He made a post in Near Social and everything. So he's the first uh, Near Social funded podcast, probably. I don't know. I, probably, yes. <laughs>
1: controversial is in the eye of the beholder, or I guess in the ear of the listener, but <laughs> I'm very excited to start to capture the history of DevHub to get the stories of the developers contributing. There's always been a challenge in getting into the technical aspect. I met this developer in Australia. I was going to recruit him and uh, he works with many ecosystems. And I asked him to describe Nier. Oh, cause he gave me some pretty funny, accurate descriptions of other ecosystems. And I was like, ah, oh, describe Nier for me. And he was like, there's something like geeky, but not afraid to get too technical. And I was like, "Damn, that's pretty good Fair, Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually tweeted it. We, we can it.
2: take that as a DevHub logo. <laughs> Geek, geeky,
1: <but laughs> yeah, not afraid to get too technical. Yeah, we're here live at Nearcon. Around us are the bodies of the hackers that have <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Those that didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, it's been rough uh, over the last two days. Vlad, before joining DevHub, what were you doing?
0: Before DevHub, uh, I was working in Pagoda Inc. on the anything that is data related so it was the data platform team that's how it's called but so I was leading it and we tried to build and ship things like uh, enhanced API indexers RPCs Explorer and I was involved in many things even before if, if you like go, going back in timeline I, I was basically contributing to a, almost every dev tool in the ecosystem
1: so you're the person that they ping late at night the RPCs are down again. Exactly. <laughs> we hate you. Ah.
0: Which was like a uh, blessing curse at the same time.
1: Let's start looking into DevHop as a as an entity. When did it start? How did it evolve? And when did you get involved, Vlad?
0: I just. So it, it was a history. So I would say like I, I got involved with near ecosystem in 2006. When I was born? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was a bit later than I was born. But the whole idea of DevHub was floating around in Near ecosystem since very early days. It was like core values that we wanted to promote in the near ecosystem to begin with. Like developers was the core value of Near. And uh, last year, around July, we started to work on this initiative that we initially called Dev Governance for just a small problem to solve back in the days. It was NAPS. We wanted to create such important pieces of infrastructure. New improvement proposals. Yeah. Yep. And so it was roughly July, I guess, last year. But then Dev Hub had a scope creep and we basically created a lot we had the ambitions, but we didn't have a team yet to help us with all the admissions. And only April, was it April or something like this, that we came up with the name DevHub actually. So I don't know like, where to even say like, when we started to, to be involved in that, because DevHub is...
1: The reason why I ask is because someone, somewhere along the line, did a masterful transition an evolution caterpillar turned into an eagle. From my end, there were the grassroots DAOs that were meant to be on their DNDC. And at the time, there were three grassroots DAOs, marketing, creatives, and developer DAO, or DevOps now. And each DAO, due to its own performance and set of circumstances, took a different fate. It's almost like the story of the three brothers in Harry Potter dev hub, and i've been saying this for a long time was very smart to literally just run as far away as possible from governance and focus on its own thing which in maybe counterintuitive ways now has led to it grow and absorb more of that governance Th- that's why i'm so curious on what was that original intention and maybe what are some of those like guiding principles that have enabled you guys to be Maybe insulated from a lot of the noise and to just really go back to the core and get things done. Sure, yeah. Our main motivation
0: was the pain in the community that we felt ourselves and we wanted to get it resolved. Uh, with NAPs, it was just, n- you would sub- submit a an NAP and nobody would review it. You would try to engage with the community, nobody would be there. It was just void.
1: Emotional uh. damage. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We, I experienced it myself, I was on both sides, I was proposing and nobody was reviewing and I was trying to help to review but I also didn't have time to, to do it properly and didn't know like what people are actually talking about because I was not expert in that area. And I was like, we probably need to have relevant people in the room. So that's how we started to just bring relevant people to the room. That's, that's how we, and we started to call it work, working groups. Um, it was about the same time as uh, NDC also was talking about working groups but I feel like Devhubs were much more like expert focused NDC was just like purpose focused which is also like fine but it was a bit of a different um, uh, lens, I, f- I feel and
1: huge difference
2: Yeah <laughs> I, I don't have much to say but because that happened before I came
1: in so I'm You can just nod, you're looking great uh, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah, yeah so whatever Blatz says
1: I definitely experienced that. I actually wrote like a vision or guiding principles for the centralized governance around some groups being defaulted. Just creating a Telegram group is not enough. Just saying that it exists is not enough unless somebody actually comes forward and they have the skills and experience and the time and they deliver it. Let's just call it defaulted. They have to prove themselves to grow into existence And once again, the opposite for the working groups. I joined some working groups, which was hilarious uh, because I didn't understand anything on the call. There was one for like data analytics or indexers. Tiffany from Pagoda was just running through. The entire thing was just code and screen and crazy stuff happening. And I was just like, I don't know what this is, but I'm excited that it exists. Like it it was very reassuring to see the few people that needed to know, Uh, perhaps fewer than we needed, but... It was, yeah, expert-driven. And that's why I'm excited to see how it has expanded out as it has gained more stability, I guess. Usually scope creep has a negative connotation. No, not really. No. <clears throat> it, it was a
0: challenge. It was a challenge that we wanted to have. It's it's, it's a problem we want to have. That's Good problem to have. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. And... But it also was just a identification challenge for ourselves. Until we arrived to the name DevHub, it was really hard to communicate the scope of our work. Somehow, when we created the name, even though like, it's obvious today, it totally was not obvious back in the days. and It was a lot of iterations until we arrived to DevHub. And, and finally, we could communicate with almost everybody with just one word. We are DevHub. And it had really like a lot. Like, you can come up with any name, but it, if it's not aligned with what you want, then people will constantly conf- be confused and would assume different things. Yep. With DevHub, I think it's actually aligned with what we are doing.
1: I was telling my engineers for the hackathon that the name had to be either super crystal clear what we do or some really weird shit that is memorable. Yes. <laughs> So people Something just do Something in don't between. Make... You don't remember the name. It's confusing. But no, DevOps is great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sometimes people. When I came in, the main thing will be like, what do you do? What do you do, right? So that's. But now, the mandate of being developer oriented, it resonates more with the name, right? DevHub, DevOps. Right? So now I think we are definitely moving into other areas that we need to have more control because the the existing partners, I I came with a little with a blank slate with do the dev rails and bring ideas. So I've been bringing an approach of A-B testing. So we're testing stuff and some of this stuff have been moving into areas that are not naturally ours. And sometimes it's been hard to try to make it fit into the dev hub. So when I talk with everyone, okay, However we frame this, is about developer acquisition, develop, bringing developers into the ecosystem. And so try to make it fit into the of mission. Now it's getting more challenging based on li- probably li- recent conversation with the alien stuff. We need to probably go a little more, so it will be hard to make it fit into the Deckford. But it's still, the, the main idea is that, developer acquisition and yeah. engagement.
1: I, I think that's why when people think of scope creep, it seems like a negative thing. Because there's a set of assumptions. Mm. The first one is you've got regulatory capture. So if one person is doing something, no one else can. And then scope creep means that you've got the one entity doing more things, which is taken away from someone else's activity. That's why scope creep can be good if it is happening for the right reasons, whatever. But you always want to leave that door open to alternatives or competition.
0: Oh, definitely. We, di- we didn't try to capture flags from other teams. We just noticed ourselves that... Um, there is a lot more void in the ecosystem that we actually can can help with. Um, we didn't have time at that point in time and we felt like we can do it. We can do it for the ecosystem. We have a good understanding how to do it, but we didn't have the resources. Uh, and that realization helped us to basically bring Boris, bring Joe, bring Maria to the, to, to, to the team. The team grew, grew from just three people talking in a room to now we have full, <laughs> almost half of the higher HQ space uh, to, to help us on different things and totally not overlapping directions that we are empowering people to do. One, one thing that I learned over the years, I started as a software engineer myself, being like individual contributor. And while I was working in Pagoda, I was moving into direction of managing people and building teams. And one of the trainings that I went through was changing my paradigm of thinking about management in general. From I'm from Eastern Europe, where there is a lot of influence of top-down management. I, I have very... Negative connotation of word manager in my country, and I I was like a uh, I was not feeling well becoming a manager myself. So, they, but the training went very well for me. I was like a, I, I learned about different approaches to management, and so the way they can they, they they presented it is like it's a tree structure, but it's not top down. It's like bottom up actually. Like it's a tree that su- managers are supporting the peers and the, the ecosystem. So that's how I see my role in DevHub uh, to support uh, whoever I can on their like success uh, path and just be- make them uh, productive as much as possible. Yesterday at DevHub panel, I, s- I said, like, uh, I believe that every human has a superpower and we just need to play to those superpowers.
2: That's what I my, my mission here, I believe. I agree with Vlad that we didn't take any... Flags from other teams, but there there are things we need to be done, and we we need to have it done. So probably that's where probably you can see that we are jumping into the other. First of well, marketing. We need our own marketing. or marketing done for specific for developers. That is not the same that is probably traditional being done. We need our own approach to communities, like uh, stuff like that. That's what sort I of think. Re- regarding how we do the management, I have a different school of management. I I got my management training in crypto, that it was different from the one you get to school. And I got it working in places like Harmony. It was like the war, right? It was like heavy, like community was brutal. Like every week you're being accused of taking money or having sex with grantees. It was tough. So from that you... But did you do it? No, I mean, no comments. <laughs> no, but it was tough. Harmony was tough. I came when I, when I started to... came to Aurora, and so they give you the space to do your own thing. Just you bring into that. So I know how the community works, what works, what doesn't work. So the, the, the Maya protesting and chipping and see what works and what's not. And some, But always chip, uh, deliver. If it doesn't work, move to something else but the the only way to do that is not talking about m- more about management but leadership i just try to enable people to do stuff and if they and give them enough power and I, I think that's what the maxim and vlad became like enough power that go out do it do your own mistake if you fail let's talk about it yeah. but I, I had never been constrained like it sometimes we discuss stuff but it's never oh it, it's very horizontal so that's probably we are starting to get in a little more trouble. And I expect we will get in more trouble from now on. If you're not getting in trouble, you're not getting things yeah. done. The perfect
1: is, the only thing that is perfect is that's not having even been started. Yeah. I experienced that. Some people weren't dormant and no one ever complained or said anything against them because they were like a ghost. It was like They were mm-hmm. not there. So I guess that, yeah, it, it, it comes to the territory. I, I, I do think that, As a bystander looking at the technical picture and i'm a very visual learner it would really help to try to have a lay of the land and understand where when do you need that leadership to then attract the people to do different types of work because usually when the frustration comes in is sure you attempt to do something and it may not work but there's like a lot of nuance as to Did you really try? Why didn't it work? If this was given to a different team under a different set of circumstances, could it have done differently? And the main challenge that we have now in crypto is that because everything is decentralized, we have a lot of problem having conversations that should be pretty standard. If I'm deploying $50,000 a month in marketing here and you guys are doing X for X price, what's the benchmark? Yeah, Because you can do something quite niche and get outsized returns in something that moves the needle for you, this is uncorrelated. So I I, I think that we need to find a way to give people autonomy to experiment, but also work together and...
2: I think we need to give the opportunity to people to fail. My main issue that dealing with the community is like the why them and not me, right? Like I found this team, I found this team. So why did you give the money to the team? What did you give to me? so that's the one we've been, i've been trying to address beforehand i'm telling this one people we assume that this project might not succeed it might be that other team could have done better but this is the one we're doing right now how the if i go to with team b then team a will be the same Why b and not a and a and not b so that's the one i'm trying to like preemptive because that happened to me in the past a lot oh you give the money to this project when i was doing this so H- how do you know right? So I'm, that's one of the projects. We, this money, we're giving more think about it. We're working much more with the projects so that when the proposal goes to New Social, it's more ready to be approved, but still it may, fi- it may fail. And to be honest, like VCs, they will tell you only 20% of the projects succeed.
1: So- But the better you define success, are you looking for a 100x next company or- a failure that inspires five new developers to join, because the cost of acquisition for of developers would be very high. For for me, success
2: is in, in three years that the project is still there, still working. That would okay. be a success if, if it failed, and if they didn't still it didn't made a rook pull. That's a success too. And they fail organically, that's fine. But I if mean, they steal the money, yeah, that's, uh, that's a failure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just but, checking. Was... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's for me is the part of success fails. But it seems that the bar Seems to be higher in crypto because everyone is attacking each other. Everything is public, right? Oh, every now, every everyone knows how much uh, uh, money I give to this specific every yeah. cent, so they they know, right?
1: Being a grand allocator is hard, especially at the ecosystem level, because you gotta have the big picture. Like for instance, to me personally, and maybe this is why I'm allocating money as part of the dev hub. If you find one project and that initiative fails. But the team is still around and they're learning and contributing. They could probably get hired by another team or that's not like a full failure. You didn't expect to make money from the investment and there's value being generated in ways that weren't intended. And that happens all the time. I agree. The idea can
0: fail. The team does not necessarily fail after yeah. that. And the knowledge they, and the experience. But the, 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 va- the valuable knowledge that needs to be extracted from there is post-mortem, basically, document or something. Or just thinking about it as a team, as a, as everybody involved there, basically. How really to make se- it
1: success. It would be a really good segue to if we apply some of that reasoning to like the microcosm of hackathons. I've heard some very interesting reflections, Ilya, things that they're too short to build real products. I've heard explicit guidelines that we're looking for teams that can work on the projects like longer term. There are new resources to make sure that the hackathon participants are as good as they can be. Maybe can you give us a really quick lay of the land of what the DevOps has been doing in terms of hackathons in general, like the presence this year, some of the lessons, and then we can go into Box and Mm -hmm. the future.
2: You want to take this one? Or?
1: I can do but do you
2: want Yeah, the hackathons, we have the Hackbox. We're organizing the hackath- the hackathons. You will start seeing us more and more in the local events. We are decentralizing the devrails. We just launched the Chinese devrails. We're actively talking with Brazil Brazilian devrails, uh, Korean devrails. So the first stop is there, doing the hackathons, and being more active and more engaged uh, with the developers, giving the better tools. Then we want, after they win or after they probably not necessarily win, but they were engaged, we are you already devised a post, post-hackathon engagement strategy. We brought Joe from Chardock and he is working to create a very well-established set of strategies to keep it in the environment, give them what they need and find them their space within the new ecosystem. So that's why we are working heavily on that. You will see a few things happening, like a monthly challenges, more engagement for the developers, you, you, and it will happen very soon. Like December, January will be very on top of it. I think the, mo- the most important uh, discovery for myself
0: we, when we were like m- brainstorming the ideas how to bring developers more engaged and how to make our ecosystem even better, was that like, we need to give people the purpose of being in the ecosystem to, feel, to make them feel connected and also be empowered. So that's like a lot of opportunities these days. Not only hackathons, not only specifically ch- crafted challenges, but also fellowship programs, mentoring. That is still not uh, part of our
1: thing, but we are looking forward to. Uh, is the purpose thing at odds with DevRel? Because the way that I see it, and, and, and it's I'm not pitching only DevRel. For...
0: It's it's all over the place. It's about contributions to the core. And and then, yeah,
1: uh, I'm asking because I'm pitching for a job here, because the the way that I see it, we need DevRels to be able to assist hands-on technical and meet hackers where they are at hackathons. But I've spent two years trying to find the place of where do the evangelists go? First of all, where are they? And how can we empower them? Like, where are the cheerleaders? Where are the people that can get the message and replicated almost as well or hopefully better with more energy than Ilya or the insane amount of content that we've had on stage because I feel like that's the layer that we're missing. We need the cheerleader to go there, tell a story, get everyone excited, and then DevRel can be there to support as needed. It could be the same person if you find someone very special like Joe. I think he could do that. But my experience has been sometimes DevRels are waiting for the technical component because that's their area. They may not be as good or have the time to be communicating. It's almost like a sales role. Yeah.
0: Sure, I, I was actually giving, getting a lot of inspiration from Rust community myself, and how I I've been organizing local events in my home city for Rust just gigs. So I think that like there is a need for some spark and showing people how simple it is sometimes to run a local meetup, which is just basically your friends your I know fellow engineers that you can also inspire and get, get some cool, fun things done over the weekend or whatnot. So I think we, we need to create this culture of being empowered. And just what I'm trying to avoid to, for people to see, to view DevHub as like top-down structure of like they, they are only giving grants. We want to actually people to start to elevate themselves and kind of share among each other. So this is, I think, very important. Let's
1: levitate together. I think it was Maxime or Eugene the Dream. Let's attribute it to Maxime to be able to close in a high note. (laughs) He said that there were two types of meetups. One where whatever, they ask for thousands of dollars to the marketing DAO. The other one, it's two boxes of pizza and quality conversations in a room. Like people show up because of the brain power. And yeah, it's good to know that DevHub is in the hands of the people that believe in the two pizza.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, man. And definitely, you know, we, we'll be around, and reach, reach out to us. And we are definitely working more on the more in the regions. If you need to be your area to be covered, either start your own thing or come to us and we'll help you to do your own thing. And then find that inspiration. I think inspiration is local. I just told the Metapool guy, he to start the Mexican DevRels. If in Mexico, what you need to do to bring developers is open a bottle of tequila put, let's buy bottles of tequila you right? said it I did it but <laughs> yeah probably yeah.
1: thanks so much for being here uh, this was my first time <laughs> and uh, subscribe to the Hop podcast we're going to have more conversations like this one hopefully you'll be inspired empowered elevated we can all levitate towards greatness together and uh, stay safe awesome thank awesome. you very much man thanks, thanks. Nice. And just like that, the first episode of DevHub Unplugged, the new series by DevHub, has come to an end. You're probably thinking that was amazing and you want some more. So if you're like me, you have to go and subscribe to DevHub YouTube channel and to DevHub Unplugged on your favorite podcasting platform. To make sure that you receive all the subsequent episodes we've got a steamy pipeline of highly technical and reputable guests lined up as always a reminder that everything contained on this podcast a deva podcast and probably every other podcast that you listen to is for entertainment and educational purposes only and nothing should be construed as financial legal medical or any other type of advice Thanks so much for listening and supporting Independent Media, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.